Hello, my friends, and welcome back on EconWising. I'm your host, Hao Yu, and today we're going to talk about why the national minimum wage has nothing to do with the economy. So let's start with a story. Um, she knocked over a pitcher of iced tea, then pointed to the waitress across the restaurant. That one did it. That was what she said, and that. Was my friend. The woman was somewhere in her late thirties, the kind of wife that comes with a kind of salary that lets you treat four-star restaurants in Manhattan like your kitchen. My friend didn't argue. She didn't mention she'd been standing in the same place for fifteen minutes polishing silverware. She didn't hint the only way she could knock over the iced tea was through telekinesis. She just walked twenty feet across the room to apologize. She cleaned up the woman's mess. This is what's it like to work a minimum wage job. You go overboard to please everyone, including your boss. You let patrons think you're stupid because it makes them feel good. You let them think you don't know how to spell or do basic math. You let everyone take their bad day out on you. Not once do you ever stand up for yourself. You endure more than low pay. You endure society's excess of abuse, all that pent-up anger and hostility that needs an outlet of some kind. It has to go somewhere, right? They all wanted to see her tattoos. She wore long sleeves to cover them up, but sometimes midway through her shift, they would ride up a little on her forearms. Older men, in particular, found this enticing. They saw my friend as an exotic dessert. Part of the meal they'd ordered, they couldn't stop teasing her. Please show me all your tattoos. I'll give you a nice tip. Some of these men were CEOs, some were state senators, some were just mysteriously rich. One time, the president of the university she went to came in and hit on her in front of his wife. It didn't matter if these men made her uncomfortable. Or if their jokes got her in trouble with her boss, even though he admitted her appearance always bring in more clientele. Sometimes men came for drinks just to stare at her. Not all of them left tips. Some just took up her tables all night, ordering cheap beer so they could stay and flirt. It didn't matter if she had a fiance or if she was a graphic designer who waited tables to support herself through unpaid internships at companies she hoped would give her a job. What mattered? Her tattoos. My other friend got a job at a big box retailer to help pay for college. What could have gone wrong? You might ask. Turns out everything could go wrong. Her managers refused to give her a regular schedule. Some days she opened, some days she closed. She tried to complain and almost got fired. We need people who are available, her manager said. If you can't handle that, then find another job. So she started skipping her classes so she could work. The class she had to skip most often was a required biology course. Her professor acted just like her manager. When she missed her fifth class, he sent her a nasty email. You've got a choice to make," he said. "Quit your job or fail." It didn't matter how high she scored on tests or how clean her lab reports looked. A third of her grade came from attendance and participation. 
it wouldn't be fair to hold her to different standards. So she withdrew. Later, a friend convinced her to file a petition. The university dismissed it, so she had to take the class again. This time online at another college. She had to beg for the credits to transfer. In the end, the entire experience cost her an extra thousand dollars. One of her friends bought half her sorority to the pizza joint, thirty minutes before closing. You don't mind, do you? No, she said. It's cold. She was lying. As anyone in the restaurant biz knows, closing at a certain time just means you stop letting people in. So if a bunch of people show up before then, it means you wind up staying well past your shift. It doesn't matter if you had other plans. Depending on what type of boss you have, you stay and work until everyone's done eating, plus whatever breakdown remains. You politely try to hurry them up, but it doesn't always work. That sorority stayed almost an hour past closing. She took their orders with a smile. She refilled their drinks. She bought their pizza. She stood hovering, listening to them brag about sneaking in at the last minute. When they finally left, they didn't leave a tip. She bust their plate,、um, enduring stink eyes from everyone in the kitchen, who secretly blamed her for ruining their after-work plans. She stayed to help wash dishes and mop. When she finally went to clock out, her manager called out in a cheerful tone, "Don't worry, I already did that." "Did what?" she asked. "Clocked you out." "When?" the manager shrugged. "About thirty minutes ago."、Um, the she in this story. Was another of my friends. You know, I have many friends, and let's talk about this other one. When she was serving in this restaurant, a customer wanted her to sing. You know, there are three kinds of smiles. There are genuine smiles, and then there are fake ones. But the last one is the anxious one, full of repressed emotions. The server gave him the third kind, but he couldn't tell. Her voice rose an octave. What would you like me to sing? Oh, whatever you want. She thought for a minute and then closed her eyes. She took a deep breath. She was actually going to do it. That's when we reached out to stop her. After exchanging horrified glances, you don't have to sing. That was what I told her. You know, the person who asked her to sing might think that that was funny. Um, he might think that way because nobody has ever done it to him before. He's never worked in a minimum wage job, and while he generally agrees they should be paid more, he's never voted Democrat in his life. He supports right to work, which is a nice way of saying he's obscenely anti-union.、Um, he calls himself wealthy. He prefers the term middle class. The waitress who was going to sing for him in the middle of a crowded restaurant, she probably disagrees. Compared to her, he's a duke. If we never raise the minimum wage, I'll know why. I know why it only comes up during election years.、Um, I know why only a handful of liberals genuinely support it. I know why glitter Democrats like Kirsten Cinema can't just vote no, but have to give a theatrical thumbs down in the Senate chamber. You know, just before posting bullshit justifications on social media, it doesn't matter to them. The minimum wage has nothing to do with jobs or small businesses. It has nothing to do with inflation. 
If we really wanted to pay our workers more, we could find a way to do it. After all, we figure out ways to pay for never ending wars and never ending tax breaks for billionaires. The minimum wage has everything to do with caste. These jobs are designed to break you down emotionally and psychologically. They're meant to make you feel inferior, and they do. It's not merely an economic issue. No, the minimum wage is a social issue. It's a race and gender issue. It's an equality issue. The wealthiest Americans will always want servants. No matter how much they claim to love democracy or freedom, those with money want to keep a portion of the population trapped in poverty, with no other choice but to wait on them and cook their food and ring up their groceries and endure their abuses. They believe minimum wage workers are subhuman and they don't deserve a shot at a better life. As long as this attitude prevails, the minimum wage will never be a living wage.